we're back again. Woo woo! It's the Spiritual Spectrum Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. This is Taylor. I'm Elena. And today we're talking about Wicca. It's not necessarily paganism. No, it is pagan. We'll talk about all of it, but like what's Wicca? What's pagan? What are witches? Are all Wicca witches? Are all witches Wicca? No. Are all pagans Wicca? No. It's all kind of intermingled and related. And it's also not Satanism. Right. But we'll dive into everything. So hopefully when you're done listening to this episode, if somebody brings up Wicca and witches, you know, maybe you could set them straight. Or hey, direct them to this episode. Right. Or if we you always have love questions a new listener. about what those specifics are, because I feel like a lot of times those occult kind of words get mushed together all into one umbrella of like blasphemy, evil, you know, crazy orgies. That's a big one that people think is associated yes. with <laughs> paganism and Wicca is orgies, which is like, yes. where did that come from? <laughs> yes. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sort it all out for you guys here today, right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you do have questions, stay tuned because we're going to probably answer them. Yeah. And I also want to say that the word occult, that just means secret or mysterious. Totally. That's all that means, just yes. so you know. And Wicca people, <laughs> witches, are very mysterious and secretive. And they, they are hard yes. to find. It's hard to find a witch. But you just found one well, right now. Unless uh, you're on... Unless you're on Witch Talk. Yeah. It's not so hard. <laughs> but anyhow, um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, what witches are. What do you got, Taylor? Um, my sources for today are, um, I did use some stuff from Britannica.com mm. cool. about Wicca. So basically like the dictionary is my understanding of what Britannica is. Um, also, there's an article about or from TheAtlantic.com called... Uh, let's fucking find it. The Scholars and the Goddess um, by Charlotte Allen, which we'll reference. And then I found a bunch of articles on learnreligions.com. And I swear to God, if you just look at one thing about Wicca, it's like uh, it's like ranker. It's going to just like mm-hmm. send you to all the things that are related. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very fun website. Oh, yeah. So Wicca is a relatively new religion. It was... Sort of like the origins are sort of like talked about by who, what's that person's name in the 30s? Margaret Murray and Gerald B. Gardner are considered to be the yes. two who defined what modern witchcraft is. Yes. And and Gerald Gardner uh, called it Wicca. And he basically ended up writing a book about it um, in like 1957 after um, – like witchcraft was made like not illegal anymore yes. in the UK. Right. And they have a shrine to um like nine million people who were killed by means of being called a witch, which is um kinda crazy to think that it was illegal and that they like fully like persecuted nine million people <laughs> that's in england there's yeah, yeah that's fascinating that's where Jar- gerald gardner that's lived. something in the atlantic article that they dispute so ah, we'll about yeah well gerald, gerald gardner sorry to interrupt here i'm i'm holding the book that you're talking about witchcraft today mm-hmm. um there are several claims in this book that have never been edited uh, maybe because he's passed on but uh, that are, in fact, disputed, like how he found witchcraft and the fact that he was uh, initiated into a coven. People dispute that. 
Um, but yeah, there's there's so much about it that was not properly recorded because it, mm. it, it is so secretive. You're not supposed to show or talk about any of this stuff. If you are practicing it, it is just for you and the coven that you're in. But uh, you'll you can continue. So. Yeah. No. 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 You're good. <laughs> um, and let's see. So basically, like in general. Um, most believers of Wicca or people who practice Wicca share a general set of beliefs and practices, which is they believe in the goddess or it, it can be like gods and goddesses. It doesn't have to just be like a goddess focused religion. Um, they respect nature. They hold both polytheistic and pantheistic views. Mm-hmm. Um, most Wiccans accept the so-called Wiccan read. Yes, I think that's how you say it. Um, an ethical code that states, if it harm none, do what you will. And honestly, the more that I read about Wicca, I was like, yeah, I pretty much vibe with all this oh, shit. Oh, yeah. A lot of people say that Wicca is the only religion that does not convert. It, it is a found religion. So when you read about it, generally you go, oh, that's how I live my life. That's what I already yeah. do. Like, this is just me connecting yeah. with nature. And so most people... They say find exactly. it in a bookstore, which is how I found Wicca. So that's um, yeah. like literally I just saw a book on the shelf and was like, I'll buy that. And then I was Wiccan for the rest Sounds of my interesting. life. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> And I remember when that happened because we were teenagers. And I was and like, we like, you got to oh look at God. this stuff, you guys. And you were like, Elena, chill out. Oh, Elena's, <laughs> Elena's Wiccan now. I know. I okay, like, whatever me, that let means. Let me just be weird in front of y'all for my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for first time ever. You weren't weird until then. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but Wiccans believe in meditation and participate in rituals throughout the year, celebrating the new and full moon, as well as the vernal equinox, summer solstice, and Halloween, which they call Samhain. Is that Samhain. what you uh, Well, I think, aren't there two ways? This one I've is, only heard it pronounced There's two Samhain. names. Well, whatever. I was reading something, and it was there were two names for the same holiday. One was Samhain. There's also um, Samhain. Lu, uh, Lunessa has two names. It's also called uh, Lamas, Lamas, Lunessa. I know it is Lunessa, but I think it's also called Lamas. The reason is because um, this. So if you read uh, Margaret Murray's book, mm. which is uh, the Witch Cult in Western Europe. She wrote that before the before Gardner created Wicca, and it is sort of a, a written collection of all of the pagan traditions that people were practicing in, like Scandinavia, Europe, like um, Ireland, it's like Western Scotland. European, yeah, exactly. And so she was she just yeah. tried to like catalog all of that stuff into this book, and um, she talks about these different times of the year it's the the equinoxes and the earth holidays and the solstices so uh the wheel of the year there's eight different we'll talk about that more later in the podcast but um that is uh the the wiccans collection of all of the sort of uh turning of the tide turning of the seasons holidays that all the different pagan religions would practice so if you look at different times of the year and different parts of the world, everyone was doing something on these dates, but it wasn't necessarily the same thing, and it wasn't called the same thing. So there are different names yeah. for these things. Like, um, we'll, we'll get into that more. I've got a whole section yeah. I can read on that. 
<laughs> yes, perfect. Um, and I just looked it up. You're right. It's Sawin. It's just fucking weird. It's spelled old words in Celtic, Gaelic. No, it's yeah. like when yeah. we were talking about mermaids, and there was that like Coquelin Druith, and like all those weird words that I was like, oh. I can hardly read this. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I uh, like whenever I would read like the Nora Roberts like witch trilogies, which, by the way, if you do like a steamy romance novel and you're into witchy shit, there's a few of them. I've never heard of it. That are exciting. Oh, they're quite fun. If you have a job that you hate that allows you to read all day long, (laughs) highly recommend these books. Um, but the most controversial to outsiders is that Wiccans call themselves witches, which not, I don't think every witch, Wicca calls themselves witches, but um, it's a term which most Westerners identify with Satanism. And as a result, Wiccans are continually denying any connection with Satan or devil worship. Mm-hmm. Um, they have also attempted to establish ties with other polytheistic um, and nature-oriented religious communities like Hindu and Native American. And to be clear... Satanism is, and like Satan is like a Christian figure, right? And this and is pagan hell stuff. is a Christian right. idea, yeah. yeah. And this is all pagan, and and so just so you know what a pagan is, um, not all pagans are Wiccans, and the term pagan derived from the Latin paganus, which translates roughly to "hick from the sticks." I love that was originally used <laughs> to describe people who lived in rural areas. As time progressed and Christianity spread. Those same country folk were often the last holdouts clinging to their old religions. Right. Thus, pagan came to mean people who didn't worship the god of Abraham. Yes. Therefore, pagan is an umbrella term that includes many different spiritual belief systems. Wicca is just one of many. So pagans are not all Wicca and they're not all witches. They're just more people who practice like ancient, like nature-related right. religions. And it's also um, yeah. all of these traditions, and you'll notice when we talk about the wheel of the year and all of the... Um, the reason for all of the celebrations is pre-agriculture. So it's actually when people were still like hunter-gatherers. So it's like so, so old. It's way older than the concept of Satan. And Satanism was really like, you know, heightened and popularized in like the 70s. Um, so it, it's it's a, a very common misconception. Yes. The U.S.-based Church of Satan was founded in 1966, and it's really about, not even about celebrating... It's considered like a uh, religion of the self, and it's not really it's not about, meant to hurt people. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. We, we digress. It's more about... So witches are not Satanists. Yeah, it's more about extreme <laughs> forms of individualism and ethical egoism and just like rejecting yes. Abrahamic religions, especially Christianity, because it's very hypocritical and it is also very repressive. And so they're just like, don't fucking repress me. Um, there's actually a really mm-hmm. fun, absolutely not serious at all, um, little, like, I guess it's sort of like a documentary, but um, Channel 5, which is a YouTube channel. I can't remember Andrew's last name, but Andrew is like, he's like the, he's like the journalist. And I highly recommend that entire channel because he just... It, does really great stuff and is inspired by Louis Thoreau and if you're not familiar it's really fun but he literally just put out a video about Satanism like three days ago and like because there was a Church of Satan rally because there's um, all this you know Roe v. Wade stuff going on right now and the Church of Satan is really Mm -hmm. about like protecting people's rights and they're actually doing Mm -hmm. a lot of good things to help protect people having the um, access to abortion and so that's kind of like what it was centered around but It's also just a really interesting exploration into what it is. So 
as far as like the origins of Wicca, um, this article on Learn Religions talks about how Gardner uh, took lots of practices and beliefs from the New Forest Coven, which I don't know what that is, but combined them with ceremonial. Let me tell you what that is. So the story of how Gerald Gardner discovered witches, which um, Wicca is believed to have originally been pronounced as a soft C as Wicca. And then it uh, got mispronounced enough to have been turned into the word Wicca. Um, But he was just kind of out walking around, enjoying himself. And he saw like a group of people in the forest doing a ritual and they were like naked. (laughs) And he kind of like didn't know what he was stumbling upon. And because witches are very secretive, there are no spectators, there are only participants. And so once they saw that he was looking, he, they were like, nope, you gotta get over here. You gotta be part of this. There's no such thing as spectating on these rituals. You have to be a part of them if you see it. So that was um, you know, pre-Wicca because Gerald had not created Wicca yet. He found a group of witches practicing in the forest and they called themselves witches or something similar and he was like oh my god i didn't realize that this was like a thing and uh that was the new forest coven they were actually in a forest called new forest in that area where gardner lived um and so they they initiated him into the coven and that was kind of like his beginnings there but again that's one of those stories that's uh it's only from his lips there are um if you search up gerald gardner on youtube there's a really great like long video on his life and they talk more about the area he lived in and like the different pagan groups that were in that area back then and how he interacted with them and the Freemasons and everything like that. He he got together with the Freemasons to create Wicca or Wicca um, after he was initiated into the New Forest Coven. But again, this was all from his account and there's no actual proof of this coven so people don't know if this is made up or not but the way he talks about it sounds pretty convincing so yeah so it was a combination of that and ceremonial magic and kabbalah and the writings of alistair crowley i didn't see anything that said that he had a relationship with alistair crowley but that doesn't mean they did have um, correspondence yeah they knew each other yeah and alistair crowley was just like he just really liked to do his own fucking thing and he was super charismatic and magnetic and influential and into sex magic and out drugs and all kinds of insane shit yeah i mean he was a you know he was an occultist he was a magician he was a poet a painter a novelist and a mountaineer so he was like just a like kind of transcendentalist you know he's living his life um and you know he was an author um, um, he founded a religion called Thelema. Oh, that's right. Yes, 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 yes. And he mm-hmm. identified himself as a prophet. Yeah, um, he was he was like an occultist, spiritualist that wrote many books, and he's he was, he was a was, trippy guy. Yeah, definitely attributed to the the beginning of Wicca, though he's not considered to be the father of Wicca like Gardner. So there's, like, Wicca is a pretty new religion, all Mm -hmm. things considered, when you talk about religion. Yes. But there's also an idea of Neo-Wicca, and that's basically, like, um, like, the majority of books and information out there about Wicca is considered Neo-Wicca. Basically because Gardnerian and Alexandrian material is generally, 
like the that's like the fundamental wicca it's considered oath bound like it's not made available for public consumption um and according to those practices of wicca you need to be like you must be initiated into it like into a coven so you can't self-initiate or this is just what this thing is explaining but um Mm -hmm. you have to be you have to be a part of an established coven whereas like with a lot of newer or neo wicca which neo wicca just means new wicca um you you can self-initiate you don't need to be part of a coven and it can really just be uh something that you use to connect with the earth and connect with the gods that you feel connected with and um you know there's a lot of like fluidity of practice with neo wicca mm-hmm. um they do follow like a set of beliefs and practices but they're adjustable and adaptable according to whatever the practitioner wants or needs in their own practice. Wicca is considered to be the religion where there is an exception to everything. Yeah, so Gardnerian and Alexandrian Wicca, there's usually more structure and protocol that's typically followed. Um, Also, if you are including other metaphysical principles like feng shui or reiki or holistic medicine. Which I do. Or even yoga, then that's neo-Wicca. Yeah. Um, And then... Any kind of, like, mixing and matching that you want to do. Like, any kind of deities or, um, you know, any, any like, spiritual deity god type yeah. figure that you want to use in your practice than totally. your Wicca. That's not traditional. Out of Witchcraft Today by Gardner, there's a little blurb about what are witches. And uh, witches are the Wicca or wise people with herbal knowledge and working occult teaching used for good. Um so it was this uh there's another piece what are witches talking about uh they're people who call themselves the wicca the wise people who practice the age-old rites and who have along with much superstition and herbal knowledge preserved in occult teaching and working processes which they themselves think to be magic or witchcraft they are the type of people who are burned alive per- for possessing this knowledge, often giving their lives to turn suspicion away from others. So very secretive people, again, as we mentioned before. At Castletown, so this is what I was talking about before, they have a memorial to 9 million people who died by torture in one way or another from witchcraft. These Wicca generally work for good purposes and help those in trouble to the best of their ability. And I'm talking about the Wiccan rites. One of those is the threefold rule. Any energy you put into... The world comes back to you threefold, and that's something that I live my life by quite a lot. I think about that all the time. The book goes on to say, The physical powers of a witch are those of a prehistoric people. How far good deeds done for evil ends are permissible is a question for theologians. So this is a little passage talking about how there have been some evil deeds known to be done by pagan witches, but it's really just for preservation or protection it's not to be you know malicious it's it's uh, they they will do things for their own good that may be considered evil just in the, in the means of protecting themselves i have something about the nine million executed over four centuries so oh, i read yeah, an article yeah, in that. the atlantic sure um and it says historians have overturned another basic wiccan assumption that the group has a history of persecution exceeding even that of the jews the mm. figure um starhawk which is somebody that they referenced earlier in this thing um cited nine million executed over four centuries 
derives from a late 18th century German historian. It was picked up and disseminated 100 years later by a British feminist named Matilda Gage and quickly became Wiccan gospel. Gardner himself coined the phrase, the burning times. Most scholars today believe the actual number of executions is in the neighborhood of 40,000. Not that that's some mm. very tiny number, but it's certainly very far not from 9, 9 million. million. It's not 9 um, million. Yeah. The most thorough recent study of historical witchcraft is Witches and Neighbors, which was in, written in 1996 by Robin Briggs, a historian at Oxford University. Briggs poured over the documents of European witch trials and concluded that most of them took place during a relatively short period from 1550 to 1630 and were largely confined to parts of present-day France, Switzerland, and Germany that were already racked by the religious and political turmoil of the Reformation. Um, also, I think that this next bit is just a little, just comes off a little shitty, but we'll go with it. The, acu- <laughs> uh, the accused witches, far from including a large number of independent-minded women, were mostly poor and unpopular. As if that's some excuse. Okay. Their accusers <laughs> were typically ordinary citizens, often other women. That's not weird at all. Have you heard of the patriarchy? Not clerical <laughs> or secular authorities. Um, in fact, the authorities generally disliked trying witchcraft cases and acquitted more than half of all defendants, which that's a really interesting. Um, we'll just hmm. quote fact, unquote. Uh, Briggs also discovered that none of the accused witches who were found guilty and put to death had been charged specifically for practicing a pagan religion. It goes on to say, if internet chat rooms are any indication, some Wiccans cling tenaciously to the idea of themselves as institutional victims on a large scale. Generally speaking, though, Wiccans appear to be accommodating themselves to much of the emerging evidence concerning their antecedents. For example, they are coming to view their ancient provenance as inspiring legend rather than hard and fast history. Basically, Starhawk is somebody who practices, she's Wiccan, and um, she says, uh... Like, there are many Wiccans that have begun referring to their story as a myth of origin, not a history of survival. And she says, we don't do what witches did 100 years ago or 500 years ago or 5,000 years ago. We're not an unbroken tradition like the Native Americans. In fact, many Wiccans now describe those who take certain elements of the movement's narrative literally as Wiccan fundamentalists. An even more controversial strand of the challenge to the Wiccan narrative concerns the very existence of ancient goddess worship, which I thought this was really interesting because I feel like this has been talked about across many religions, not just Western European religions. Um, But one problem with the theory of goddess worship, scholars say, is that the ancients were genuine polytheists. They did not believe that the many gods and goddesses they worshipped merely represented different aspects of single deities. In that respect, they were like animistic peoples of today whose cosmologies are crowded with discrete spirits. Polytheism was an accepted reality, says Mary Lefkowitz, a professor of classics at Wellesley College. Everywhere you went, there were shrines to different gods. The gods and goddesses had specific domains of power over human activity. Aphrodite slash Venus presided over love. Artemis slash Diana over hunting and childbirth. Ares, or it's just A-R-E-S, slash Mars over war and so forth. Not until the second century, with the work of the Roman writer Apuleius, probably saying that wrong, was one goddess, Isis, identified with all the various goddesses and forces of nature. This goes on to talk about how, uh, you know, they found, like, a bunch of those, like, feminine statues or, like, figures, um, and they were found all over the place, and there was this um, one historian who I think was also a professor somewhere, and she was, like, the... Um, 
or she was an archaeologist, I think. And so she, they talk about how people like put their own interpretations on the things that they find. And so it's like she would find all of these, you know, like, uh, like, it's like those pregnant female sort of like little uh, statues or like whatever they are, those little like figures essentially. Yeah. But they were talking about. They weren't found like on altars and all these things. They were found like in what would be considered like right. Like they were they they were found in like rubbish piles. Like yeah, totally. Like just around. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like but but so they're the people like she was basically like oh it was this major goddess worshiping religion like the female form and like the the feminine was like the height yeah, of everything. I, I do have some origins of that here in this book, but uh, keep talking. What you're saying. Um, but what these other people are saying is like, she was, you know, potentially twisting what she was finding just to sort of suit the narrative that she had yeah. f- kind of come up with through her excavations and stuff. And so, like, they're because yeah. of where they were finding these little statues, it's more likely that it was like it was important, but it was more of like a symbol of fertility and something that would be put right. like in like grain silos or yeah, it's like yeah. these little things where it's like we're gonna bury them in the earth with our stuff like so a that money it's like cat, like in Japan. Yeah, it's, it's just more like go like bring me money into my business. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more like to uh, just like as bring like me a, some fertility a, an abundance. Thing I'm doing. Yeah, an it's abundance. Like a little, it's like a throwing symbol. a crystal in your thing that practice. you're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just like so that you'll have good outcomes, not necessarily yeah. because it was like that. It was a yeah. So it was higher like a, than more a of like God a symbol. Figure. It was a symbol that she misinterpreted as like a singular figure, which it was not. According to yeah, these I get people it. I get who are reinterpreting sure. her. Yeah, yeah, no. And so this is a that's that's why I like uh, that we come together with these different sources because um. So my reading here. Uh, reading the witch cult in Western Europe by Margaret Murray. She again, that book talks about uh, the collection of all of these different pagan traditions that um, this was pre-Wicca, um, and talking about what they all do and where they all came from. And um, both her book and Gardner's book talk about um, the Dianic cult and uh, that the god Dionysus, I believe is how you say that Dionysus in Roman. Uh, mythology is uh, the god that is likely the primary source of a lot of these uh, rituals and practices that are considered modern Wicca practices. Um, And that also the high priestess of the coven is often called Diana. And that um, Diana is the feminine version of Dionysus. And uh, this was the the main god and goddess figure was this Dionysus Diana. It was like the the duality of male and female within one that then kind of gave way to the god-goddess worship that is seen in, uh, you know, gardeners or gardenarian Wicca. And uh, honoring of the god and the goddess in the wheel of the year is something we can talk about when we get to the wheel of the year. But um that there are different practices. It's like I said, Wicca is the religion with an exception to everything. So it's like you could do all of the gods of like other mythologies or, you know, whatever suits you. If you wanted to do like Viking mythology, if you wanted to do like, you know, Native American mythology, whatever you want. But um, yeah, Gardnerian, I think, is just the the male, female, like binary, just dichotomy, masculine, feminine, balance, imbalance kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a there's a woman 
and she, this like chosen name, she's an associate editor of the website The Witch's Voice, found at witchvox.com. Mm-hmm. She goes by Diotima Matineia, something like that. Mm. I might be saying it wrong. Um, she summed up her feelings on the debunking of the official Wiccan narrative this way It doesn't matter to me how old Wicca is, because when I connect with deity as lady and lord, I know that I'm connecting with something much larger and vaster than I can fully comprehend. The creator of this universe has been manifesting to us for all time in the forms of gods and goddesses that we can relate to. This personal connection to deity is what is meaningful for me. Uh, or is yes. what is meaningful, period. For me, Wicca works to facilitate that connection, and that is what really matters. And that kind of right. feels like it's sort of the vibe of, like, probably mostly neo-Wicca, because well, if you're a fundamentalist, quote, then... That quote really encapsulates how a lot of Wiccans feel about Wicca nowadays, is, like, mm. they feel a connection to the old, but like you said, they know it's not an unbroken practice, that it is a revival of old connections, um, and that it, it does pull from a lot of different places, but it doesn't matter what the foundation is. That's what, like, I feel the same way. It's like, I'm honoring the energies I'm observing. I'm not you know calling back to like some proud ancient tradition it's like you know it's it's more present than that i suppose so if you're like uh you know if you love a lot of times wiccans are very like eco-conscious and so it's like if you're this person who's very like eco-conscious and you like to celebrate the turning of the seasons and the like i do i don't always do new moon and full moon rituals but i do i do them pretty regularly (laughs) which is part of what we're going to get into in the next part when you talk about all those the the things but um you know it's like if you like rituals you know you kind of like commemorating these things you like having practices that help you connect with these with this energy or these uh you know gods or goddesses or whoever you feel called to connect with and you're all about like uh do what you will as long as it's not doing anybody any harm like your ideology really aligns with it which i think is really interesting So let's talk a little bit about how to practice some Wicca casually for fun. Because a lot of people, it's a, you know, they say, like, I probably said this already, uh, that Wicca is the religion that is not, um, it doesn't convert anyone. That It's a found religion. And generally, um, that's how uh, most people get into it is they just see it and go, oh, my gosh, like, I totally vibe with that. That's how I live my life anyway, and that's kind of just a a more um, mindful way to do the things I'm already doing. Mm -hmm. So um, when I, you know, uh, when I first got into Wicca, I was, uh, (laughs) it's funny because I think in the Ouija episode, I talked about buying my Ouija board at the same store, Mm. Booksmart, in Morgan Hill, downtown. (laughs) It was our little little new age bookshop. And... um, it's a, I, I bought the book Witchcrafting by Phyllis Curat. And um, if you are someone who knows Wicca, then you probably know her name. She's a high priestess and she has several books. Um, and I would consider her like my Wiccan mom. Like everything I do in Wicca is based off of her teachings and her writings. Can you define um, a high priestess for the people? That's a coven thing. I have never been part of a practicing coven, which would technically mean that I follow the practices of neo-Wicca, mostly just because I've never found one. Um, I've always just kind of practiced on my own. But uh, a high priestess is someone who, that's a lineage. So you have to uh, be accepted into a coven, practice with that coven, and then learn 
how to uh, you know learn learn all the ways of that coven generally and uh, gardenarian covens like to be a group of 13 um, and then that's it they don't do larger groups than that um, I, I'm not sure what the general practice would be around sizes of covens but that's one thing I saw written um, and so Phyllis was she joined a coven she walked into a bookshop and saw some women practicing and she was an attorney and she was like yeah that's weird I'm not going anywhere near that and then um, she had some experiences in her life that turned her toward it and then she did join the coven eventually um, became you know the holder of like a lot of the knowledge for that co coven and then that is sort of what made her the high priestess is just um, you know being a regularly practicing Wiccan who has a vast knowledge and understanding of the spiritual practices of Wicca. So, um, so she is in charge of her own coven. And if, uh, you know, if you read her books, you'll, you'll understand why she's a high priestess. She really, um, doesn't leave any stone unturned as far as all of the practices and beliefs and tools and, um, rituals go. Um, so, you know, simple magic is like elemental magic where you're just observing nature um, and observing the changes within nature that represent magic in the natural world. And you can um, set intentions on a seed that you plant. You know, maybe you're trying to work on a project and so you take a seed and you imbue that seed with all of the energy of uh, the success of that project that you want to fulfill and then you plant that seed and you nurture the seed through the seasons and you watch it grow and you watch it mature and you know that that energy is feeding that project that you're working on so that's just simple like magic that is elemental based earth-based magic and she has sections in her book about doing those kinds of things um you know also, simple magic is being a volunteer, working in your community and helping people and just creating good energy by doing good deeds, right? So the magic is very simple. And like I said, a lot of people just see this and go, well, I do that anyway. Like, why not do it more mindfully? Like I'm creating magic in my community. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, if you're doing more, I don't know, traditional, proper, ritualistic magic, you can cast a circle um, and tools that you use to cast a circle which we talked a little bit about that in the Ouija episode two I believe like casting a space so that you have like protection and good vibes and all that stuff and clearing the space that you're in but um you can use a wand which uh finding a wand is a whole thing in Wicca finding your wand I have a couple that I use a uh, sword and then you know uh, or hand so you can just use your hands which is like healing right Reiki uh, healing touch mm -hmm. in my life um and then of course you can cast a circle by holding hands with your coven in a circle but um there are you know uh invocations that you would use along with your tools to create a, a sacred space to then cast spells and uh casting spells is of course every witch's favorite pastime spells can be performed almost anywhere although um phyllis says don't do it in the midst of rush hour traffic <laughs> Uh, but it's it's good to do it in a place where you won't be disturbed. Um, divination will help you create spells that work. Divination, divi meaning um, deity, and divination uh, like oracle, the mouth of God. Um, 
divination just means connecting to the divine. So divination helps you create spells that work. So if you're working in alignment with the deity, with whatever your deity is, um, you know that those spells are, are in alignment. They're going to work nice and strong. Um, and then there's uh, spells require energy. So working with your energy system and knowing how that correlates to your your uh, witchcraft is um, something that I think is very important. Uh, you can definitely deplete yourself and you can use your energy incorrectly if you're not setting the right intention when you're doing your spell casting. Um, and yeah, you have to raise your energy. That's right. She talks about raising your energy like boiling water. And so you need to contain that. There's all these um, all these things that we do to really hone in our energy before we cast a spell and casting a spell can be very simple it can just be um there's one that i like to do on esbats which an esbat is uh the lunar cycle so the new moon the full moon the waning moon and the shadow of the moon and uh i'll do like a wish paper so i just write um, something that i wish for or intend or want to manifest and I'll focus on it and I'll charge it. And then at a different SBAT, I will burn that piece of paper. And so I have just ways of initiating small things in my life, like fixing the faucet in the backyard and like <laughs> just, just little things that seem annoying. And then I just want to move through them smoothly without any problem. I'll do like a little wish paper on that. And, um, you know, that that's a simple, simple spell casting, just magic 101. And uh, Phyllis Curat's witchcrafting book is just a really nice walkthrough guide for um, getting started if you're interested. But uh, Taylor, do you want to add anything to that or ask any questions about any of that stuff? I mean, I do, like, when I do a full moon or a new moon ritual, I don't do them on, like, the quarter moon or anything like that necessarily. And like I said, I don't do them all the time. Yeah, I mainly just do... I just do full and new. And that's the other thing is in Wiccan traditions, which, you know, are not that old, it's so flexible. And a lot of people in the wheel of the year, they don't even do all eight things in the wheel of the year. So it's like, it's very flexible, what you were saying. Um, yeah. So I'll do like, uh, I have the Chani app, which I think I talk about every episode almost. <laughs> um, and so they have like rituals for the week and like journal prompts. And so when I feel called to do that, which I will... I typically try to make time for that uh, on full moons and new moons, which, by the way, you can do it a little bit before. You can do it when it's exact. You can do it, you know, several days or even a week after because you're still in the energy of that moon phase. You don't have to do it on exactly the day. And if you miss the day, you're not fucked. Mm -hmm. But um, but I will do like her meditation or you can just do like your own whatever meditation you want. And then set intentions or um like I'll just do some journaling or I'll answer the journal prompts that she provides and like she also has altar suggestions and like things that uh, align with whatever energies are at play so like colors that you want to use or flowers and herbs and symbols and crystals and all that shit so I'll make a little altar and I'll do that and uh Sometimes, like, on a full moon, I will do moon water so you can oh, yeah. fill you a can jar. Do that with that solstice sun as well. You can make solstice sun water. Yeah, so you can just, like, fill a jar yeah, all kinds of fun with, stuff. Uh, with water and then leave it in the moonlight. And then the next morning, uh, you know, I think it's, like, you can think about your intentions and, like, drink the water and whatever. And so um, those are the things oh, yeah. that I've done. So it's kind of the same of as far right. as, like... 
you know, um, practicing magic, but I just haven't thought about it in that context, I guess. Well, water magic is so cool. So you can um, do a lot of things to charge water. So like I said, you can use the sun or the moon. You said the moon. I said Uh the sun. And um, you can also uh, charge water with intention. So there were those really great uh, Japanese photos. Um, I don't remember the name of the guy that took those photos of water being charged with words. Um, You've probably seen them. They they were very, um, you know, if you say love or hate or whatever, the water actually like looks shattered. Like the, the, the molecules look shattered and crazy when you use like negative words. And when you say positive words, they look all, you know, happy and pretty. And they make these beautiful shapes. And it's the same thing when you're like growing a plant and you've seen kids that like do that experiment where they use negative words with one plant and positive words with the other plant and the one plant dies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so... So, um, so that's, you know, uh, I, I love, you know, quantum physics and all that awesome talk about, uh, like I love, uh, Candace Pert, the molecules of emotion. So amazing. She, um, talks about how, you know, energy and water interact with each other, um, to create healing and Tesla also talks about that. So it's just like witches and science and everything. It's amazing. But um, so you can just charge your water with words. You can just sit there and meditate on the water, meditate all these really positive things into the water and then drink that water and you'll receive all of that goodness. And of course, when you are doing that charging, you know, uh, you are changing the water inside of your own body that you're holding. We're mostly water, right? right? So like, if you're doing all of this intention on the water that you're drinking, then you're also mutating the water within yourself to have that vibration. Right. You so can also, it's just uh, a really good practice. And you can yeah. also like mm-hmm. write words on pieces of paper and tape them to your water bottle and it can have the same oh, yeah. <clears throat> because it's just so like, you you're just like setting this intention with it. Um, yeah. So that can be, sure. and it's like, you know they're so like my husband jesse is very much like that is a like there's he was trying to find the uh validity to that pictures of water molecules thing and he was just finding people debunking it and so he's very like questioning of that which so it's kind of more like um well, you could do the plant test. The plant test doesn't lie. Well, I don't think that he wants to go killing plants for an experiment. He's very much a green thumb and <laughs> loves his plants. But um, but it's like kind of that argument of like what is um, placebo effect. So it's like, you know, because it, it's like it's also like how your mind works. So like if you're setting this intention and you're wanting to look at the world a certain way and you want to, you know, like – find the good or find the lessons and look for positivity and like set intentions to create certain connections and certain experiences in your life, then you are literally changing, like you're creating new neural pathways and you are changing the way that your brain is filtering and distorting and deleting information that is creating your perceived reality. So I don't really care one way or the other, just like I've said with everything. I'm like, whatever works for you and makes you feel good and helps you achieve your outcomes. Again, as there's, as long as there's no harm done to any other beings that i'm and that's the wicked right do no harm threefold rule exactly you're already a witch taylor you're a witch no i know you're a mermaid and a witch every time (laughs) and a pleiadian and a syrian and an orionian (laughs) every time that i like predict something or like whatever i'm just like oh it's because i am a witch and jesse also has a he has a problem with that you know what they say in gardenarian wicca is once a witch always a witch that in every life you live you are a witch (laughs) 
I mean, I, I, it's and like, we just rediscover it. It's in each always life. been talked about in our family, um, like especially my oh, family, because it's like, oh, you know, like yeah. the women are very intuitive and we know things. And it's funny because I did a human design reading for my mom a couple weeks ago. And oh, um, yeah, and so it's like the more that I learn and understand about human design, the more that I can like look at a chart and be like, obviously, like obviously you've been able to have these intuitive hits and be like, don't do this thing, don't do this thing. And it's just like, it's in her literal design. But then it's also like, you you know, we all have these capabilities and like we're, you know, like we're witchy. And so it's just this thing that's like, it's just always been talked about in my family my entire life. Like we're witchy and we know things right. and trust yourself and like trust your gut yeah. and we we're we can do magic and I'm like but not exactly in the same <laughs> no. like Wicca it's, it's like, like it's, it's ceremonial like, you know it's, it's intentionally practiced internal intuitive kind of magic for yeah sure and like Phyllis Curat says um, you know that these practices are really just a way to. Um, to bring joy into your life and to appreciate and show gratitude for everything um, that you can witness within your own life to witness your own abundance. And, um, you know, it's like, like you were just saying, it's whatever works for you. And, and in this case, you know, uh, Wicca for me is just a practice of mindfulness and a practice of gratitude um, that I get to be hands on with that I get to have, you know, fun little, rituals around that that really let me uh, focus on my gratitude in a you know a moment of pause so um, I have questions for you about your journey of becoming Wicca so we know that you found this book but did you have anybody in your life who was Wicca or was talking about witchcraft I did you found it was a a couple girls in my Girl Scout troop because of course Weird. But I, I, yeah, you know, I, I'm such an open book. But um, I, yeah, there was just these, these couple girls in my Girl Scout troop, and I was going to Christian school at that point, I believe, or I had gone in the night. Um, Wait, you were 13? You were, you were in Christian I, well, school. Well, I, I missed eighth grade. I went in seventh, and then I did not go in eighth. Really? And then I went, oh, you went back to Britain. Yeah, I went. I not was, Britain, the country. It was a school. A, no, 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 no. It was a school and a girl committed I suicide that. there the year that I went back. And then my mom was like, okay, like, nope. <laughs> back to the private <laughs> Christian school. Private school. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And um, really, it was that I was just not vibing with the Christian aspect of the school, and that's why we left. Because they were so fucking fire and And brimstone, especially the middle school. In the middle school, it was was way worse than in the high school. Yeah, it was really crazy. And I was, I was really, I was really not feeling it. And then it was funny because that that year that I was away from it, I did find Wicca. And when I went back to Christian school, I had Wicca to kind of keep me grounded in all the Christian stuff that was like all over the place all the time. And so it was like I, I was able to deal with it, I don't know, in a more mature way. But um, yeah, so I uh, I had these these girls and the, it was about the eighth grade where um, we liked all the weird stuff and, and they were like my Girl Scout friends. And so they didn't know any of the friends that I went to school with. And so we had our, our own thing. And I remember one of them, my friend Jennifer, was like, well, you know, you can be a witch. Like, if you hate this, like, all this other stuff, like, you can be a witch. And I was like, at that point in my life, had thought that that was just, like, the same thing as, like, a mermaid, right? Like, it's not real. And she was like, no, it's a real thing. Like, you can, there are books, there's, and she, you know, was kind of, we were 
kids and friends and goofballs. But like in that moment, she was very serious and she was like, no, like it's it's something that I consider to be my religion. And I practice that. And she she was very sincere about it. And I was like just fascinated. I was like, whoa, like that's a thing. And so then, of course, you know, my RAS turns on for that Mm -hmm. shit. (laughs) I'm at the bookstore. I see the book. And um, her and me and this other girl, Emily, we would scry. We would do divination together. We would. I bought my first crystal ball in Monterey one time on a Girl Scout trip with these girls. <laughs> and like and I would we used the crystal ball together. We did um, like oracle readings together. We did candle magic, fire stuff. Like we would just do all kinds of any kind of spell we could find uh like a description for a spell, we would do the spell together. So I guess we were a coven of 3, sure why not? Like I guess. Um but it wasn't long lived. You know, we were kids and um I I did stay with them through a bit of high school, but I think at the end of high school we kind of went our separate ways just cuz girl scouts was not a thing at that point. Do you so would you still consider yourself Wiccan? I think if I was to give myself a religious title, it would be Wiccan, mostly because I do have spiritual practices that I engage in daily, and they always fall along the lines of Wiccan practices, just because that was what I was introduced to. Um, I do, like... Can you talk about what those are? Oh, yeah. Like, I have, like, a morning ritual. It's so simple. I just look out the window, and I just observe the day. And then um, I'll have a little journal. I'll do like a healing, like just like a quick clearing of my energy. Um, I'll do that first and then I'll journal and uh, make some like some coffee. And then like so it's like my coffee, my journal, my reflection, my quick energy clearing. Um, And then if I have enough time, because this this is all like within an hour, um, I'll do some light work with like my house plants so it's like a uh, like house plants with like just some reflection going on and um in that way I'm kind of creating a space in my morning and that's not as ritualistic I think as some people would like to be I save that for different times of the month my daily practices are based around ritual practices and then like in the evening same thing a little bit of reflection kind of clearing getting myself ready for bed um but then like as far as uh practicing in a more ritualistic more like religious way um so we have the wheel of the year which I do observe most of the uh events in the wheel of the year we just had Beltane also known as May Day um and I'll always do something for uh the 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 moon the sun, which is solst- you know, solstice and equinox. And um, most holidays, I'll try to do a little ritual. Um, I, I don't do all of the asbats as we were talking about. I'll do the full moon and the new moon. And so on those times, which is often enough, I mean, I find myself doing it at least every couple to three weeks. I'll, I'll sit down and actually like cast a circle, light a candle, I'll have herbs that I put out. I have crystals I put out. I have incense I burn. So then, you know, talking about casting circles, that's something I will do more on the traditional, like, uh, it's time for a a moon ritual or an earth holiday ritual or an equinox ritual. And those things will involve candles, incense, paper, herbs, symbols. I like to use um, 
So there's uh, there's all these really great pagan symbols. I have a book of like when to use them and how to actually write them in the correct pattern so that you're invoking the power of each symbol um, because there is a correct way to write each one. Um, so that, you know, I'll do, I, I, I'm like cramming a lot all into like trying to just explain this really quickly, but, um, I do have different things that I'll pull in for different times of the year. So like in the winter months, I'll use more like fire magic. And in the summer months, I'll use like herbal magic. So it just depends on like what the time of the year is and what is appropriate for that specific ritual. But there's lots of fun stuff you can do. That's why Wicca is so fun. Because you can just like use whatever that makes you feel good. <laughs> why would you do like, uh, you know, like you're talking about herbal rituals in the summer and fire rituals in the winter just because you want to bring more of what is not available in nature? Or is it about balance? Or why? It's about the actual ritual itself. So let's talk a little bit about the wheel of the year. It's about the time of year. It's about what's available. It's about what we're reflecting on at that time. The first observed ritual on the Wheel of the Year in Wicca is Yule, which is Christmas time or, you know, the winter holiday. It is when uh, Christians moved the birth of Jesus to Yule because pagans would not give up their winter uh, solstice holiday. So it's the, the shortest day of the year and the longest night. And it is considered the night of mystery, the night of the womb, in which the great goddess gives birth to the sun. So it's a celebration of bringing the light in because after that day, the days start getting longer and longer until the summer solstice in the mid in mid June. At this time, the goddess, in, and this is in a, the the Wiccan tradition that was set forth post Gardner, um, the goddess represents the different forms. Yes. Well, it's still Gardnerian, but um, it's not like traditional. It's, it, you know, we're talking about this unbroken. It's not unbroken. It's, it's, it is created from all of these different ideas. But um, the goddess goes through different forms throughout the year. She's the mother, the maiden, and the crone. At this point, she was a crone. And crone doesn't necessarily mean like an old witchy looking woman. It just means like a wise older, more mature woman. And so she's been a, a mature woman for the preceding months. And now the God is like a new baby. Um, she has just given birth to the God. He's a new little baby, a weak light, slowly building strength, representing the weakened sunlight of winter. So it's a time for rest and introspection. And we're bringing the sun in. So um, when we are doing the Yule ritual, we would probably burn candles and try to create uh, light and uh, warmth because we're bringing in the sun and the we're celebrating the birth of the god or the masculine and um, the sun literally s-u-n meaning that the sun is going to be getting uh, stronger as the days go on past yule so um, then the next uh, ritual after that is imulk some people pronounce the b some people don't it's imbolk or imulk um, which is also in United States culture, that's Groundhog Day. So it's uh, the very first stirrings of spring. It's literally the first lactation of the ewes, of the lambs. So um, it's the first, very first sign of life returning after winter. 
Um, it's traditionally celebrated by the community coming together and sharing their goods as storage is low at the end of winter and everyone kind of has cabin fever. <laughs> Everyone's been inside all winter. So they're they're rejoicing these first signs of spring. And um, so it's when the goddess has returned to her maiden form after giving birth. So she's just back to being kind of a, a normal woman. And um, she's recovered from labor and the god is growing and strengthening. The sun sunlight is getting longer and it's a time of purification. So it's the beginning of spring cleaning. If, if it's a sign of life returning, you'd probably still be using some fire. Um, maybe if you had um, planted some seeds, you might see them coming up at this time. And you would just probably use a little bit of uh, observation about that kind of thing. I would go outside and observe that would probably be what I would do for that one. Ostara comes next. Ostara, the spring equinox, is uh, also the vernal equinox um, known as Easter, right? So um, it's when the goddess emerges from Earth. We see the Earth growing you know, green, and it's uh, celebrating the exact balance between light and dark, night and day, because that is the spring equinox is when it's exactly the same length of night is length of day. So um, it's perfect balance. Uh, the goddess is in her full maiden aspect and the earth is very fertile and there's a promise of abundance. It's a time of new possibilities. Also uh, still spring cleaning, purification. Um, so long-term manifestation is a really good ritual practice on the Sabbath of Ostara. So, um, you know, new possibilities. It's like you're planting the seeds for the things that you want to reap in the fall. So uh, that would be a huge manifestation ritual. Whatever you do for manifesting, do that on Easter um, big time. That Atlantic article um, that was really critical and, yeah. of, you know, all the origins of Wicca and et cetera, et cetera. I think one of the things they talked about was like, there is no... There is no pagan holiday that has anything to do with Easter from what these historians could find, which is interesting because I've literally always understood that to be the opposite. It's super pagan. It's, it's all about eggs and fertility. It's it's about the fertile land and the abundance of the land that has been brought in now that spring, you know, we have the equal time of night and day, um, you know. Uh, like I just said, too, after that is Beltane, which is May Day. And Beltane is, uh, you know, we see that at Renaissance fairs, but it's also still highly uh, common to see practices of May Day in Scandinavia and Europe with the Maypole. And uh, they shake noisemakers and they sing and they stomp and they dance. They're waking the earth up. So it's like uh, this really, like, sensual, romantic um, sort of time as well because I believe this is the one. Yes. So the, the maypole is a phallic symbol that's being wrapped in colorful ribbons by dancing maidens. And of course, that's adapted to be more childish. Yeah, I remember doing the maypole <laughs> but, um, when I was like you know, May Day. elementary. Yeah, so May... Right. And I remember learning, like, the May Day ritual as in yeah. my elementary school of, like, going and dropping flowers off at, at someone's door and, like, doorbell ditching Kinda the flowers. Nice. So, like, you know, people have their own May Day things that they do. All, a lot of my students gave me flowers uh, this week, and it was because of May Day. So it's, people still totally do this stuff. They just don't even realize that they do it. Very witchy. Um, I know. It's so funny. And so uh, the god and the goddess come together and impregnate the goddess with the god's new form, which she will birth at Yule. So when we talk about the god and the goddess, we're really talking about masculine and feminine forms that are represented by nature at each time of the year. So um, the the god is fully mature um, and the goddess, meaning just feminine and masculine, come together, uh, romantic, 
pregnancy. Uh, we're talking about for fertility and uh, the, the goddess is impregnated with the god that she will birth at the next Yule. So, um, you know, it is uh, a time as well when the earth is impregnating itself with bees and pollen and all of that stuff. So it's just uh, all fertility, big old pig and fertile time. Really fun. Um, so, and then it is, it's a romantic time. People will go and, um, you know, walk with their sweetheart in nature. And outdoor love is kind of one of the ideas of that time as well, which could be where, like, orgy ideas kind of came out of, uh, you know, like the sensationalism of like the evil of paganism, or I think that was probably one of those origins there. The summer solstice is called Letha, but I call it midsummer just because I'm American. I don't know. I, I, I call it midsummer. So midsummer is when the sun is at the peak of its strength. Crops are at full maturity. It's a time to celebrate the sun and the energy that it provides. And the goddess is now bringing in the greatest abundance of the year. So the god is fully mature, which makes Letha or Midsummer a masculine celebration, a celebration of masculine energy. Um, and it's a time to turn inward and work on yourself spiritually and mentally. So it's uh, kind of this, uh, I don't know, like a strong warrior idea of like uh, stoicism and like really turning within. It's just a time to kind of just think about how you can be the example. So um, introspection. Yeah, totally. It's, it is a time of introspection. And it is uh, also the time when the sun is at its longest day of the year, the shortest night of the year. And so people often celebrate this by watching the sun rise to honor that it is the only day of the year where you can watch it rise at its earliest time. And a lot of people, like an online stream of Stonehenge with the sun rising so they can watch the sun oh, cool. go through the center of Stonehenge. Um Midsummer is a great movie as well. It's kind of horrifying and wonderful, so go watch it. <laughs> Fun play by Shakespeare. Oh, ah, yeah. Eve. Yeah, there you go. Midsummer Night's Eve. Oh, uh, yeah. The, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. We did that. Oh, yeah, Dream. Yeah. Whatever. Same, same. Good one. Different. Didn't, we did do that. that <laughs> yes, I was. We were in that together. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That was, I think, the last play we did with Weisenberger before he left. Oh, um, I know, yeah. I know. So uh, then after that, we get Lunessa, which is uh, early August. It's around August 1st. Um, it's the beginning of harvest. This one's also called Lamas, Lunessa or Lamas. Um, and it's uh, the goddess is feeding her children from the earth. We're, we're beginning to harvest. Days are growing shorter, so the god is weakening. Um, it's a time for gratitude to recognize abundance uh, from this harvest and to get ready to reap the harvest. So we're kind of giving ourselves a little bit of rest and care to get ready to go out and do all the hard work of the harvest. So then uh, Mabin uh, or the, the autumnal Wait, when equinox, does that happen? Um, that's uh, early August, like August 1st. Mm. Is uh, the time when, and if you look up, you know, the, the wheel of the year, um, I should just put that, well, we'll put some images on Instagram and I'll make sure the wheel of the year is one of them so you can see how it all falls. Mabin comes um, at the end of summer. Summer's at its end. Nights are getting longer. The god is growing closer to death. And in some pagan traditions at Mabin, he sacrifices himself with the cutting of grain. So like that's like the Grim Reaper, right? So um oh. yeah so then the mother then transitions into the crone phase and really what this is she has just experienced the death of the god so she's actually uh entering a, a more mature wise woman state she's still pregnant 
um, but she's quiet and reflective while she awaits the birth of the God that is within her. Um, so it's a time to reflect on the balance of life and give gratitude for what we've learned, for the hardships that we've endured, and to know that all things are temporary. We show appreciation for what we have had and find comfort in the fact that no darkness lasts forever. It's a time to relax and play, but it's also a moment to take a breath. And it's time to start preparing for winter. So it's uh, time to give yourself some rest to be able to prepare everything you need for the coming winter months. And it's a time to give charity as well because we've just gone through all of this harvest. So we probably have more than we need at this time. And so we're going to give some charity to those who maybe don't have as much as we do. The new year in Wiccan tradition is Samhain or Halloween. It's spelled Samhain. A lot of people... Don't know that it's pronounced Samhain. Samhain. So um, Samhain Halloween is New Year. And it's because, as I understand the story, it is that the god has died and now he is in the underworld. Harvest is over. Animals are being slaughtered in order to uh, store for the winter. um, And it is called the dream time. It's when the earth goes to sleep. So we are preparing in earnest. The nights are getting longer until Yule, the god dies, goes into the underworld, and is waiting to be okay, wait, I have a question about it. at Yule. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's like a lot of witchy people talk about, you know, the veil is thin. I was going to get there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm like, that's got to be part of this. Right? right. So, yeah, at this time, the veil between worlds is at its thinnest as the god passes into the underworld. It's because, um, you know, everything that we do is in union with the action of the god and the goddess so if the god is going into the underworld then he his uh you know activity there is where we're focused as well our energy is being pulled into that so um we are able to benefit from him being in that space and part of that is that the veil is thin and it's time to honor lost loved ones and ancestors. It's not a time for grieving. It's a time to celebrate them as a necessity for new beginnings because we could not exist without them. And it's a time of letting go of things that no longer serve you, which is why it's considered to be the witch's new year. Uh, It's a time to ask, what do I need to allow to die? Because at this time, the goddess is not grieving the death of the god. She has allowed him to die because she knows that the cycle needs to continue. So it's um, a wisdom and a, an allowance of, it's it's like the death card in tarot. It's very, very that. Yeah, I think that's like such an important concept for people to work on yeah. embracing and aligning with yes. because it's like yes. you have to release old things and, and like past versions of you have to die for new versions of you to you know take hold and yes it's like you have to release unaligned things to allow more aligned things to come in and like just getting comfortable with a death and rebirth cycle is so beneficial mm-hmm. yeah so that is what sabbats are so sabbats um which we just went over the whole wheel of the year every holy day every sabbat that a wiccan would traditionally um, celebrate. Each Sabbath represents each stage of the process of dreaming, planting, nourishing, caring for, harvesting, resting, and planting again. And of course, you know, if you're, if you're just talking about nature and sowing in the earth, of course, there is that time of everything that dies. And then you have to 
take all of that uh, dead material out so you can plant the new seed. Um, and we gain wisdom in reflecting in the cycles of life that are occurring in nature at each time of year. And it moves us through um, the relationship between the sun and the earth. And it helps us reflect the gratitude on the cycles within our lives. And um, seeing... Should we choose to notice Yeah, them? and seeing the rise and fall and the beauty of the connection and the yin and the yang and how we need to experience the the hardships and and view them for uh you know what we were able to gain because of that experience and then also to really revel in and enjoy and show gratitude for the things that are amazing in our lives and all of the abundance that we receive and um you know wicca really for me is just having a practice of gratitude and observing my abundance it's like really all that i do but um i just do it in the way that these practices would dictate but yeah so that's that's why you would want to participate in a sabbat like for my uh may day i made all my plants have babies (laughs) that sounds weird but no i had a bunch of plants that like had cuttings and i was like letting them root out and stuff and i was like i think they'll all be ready to like go into some dirt and like some pots like for beltane so on Beltane, I did just, I potted a bunch of like um, cuttings and babies that I had. Like, so I, I made a bunch of new baby plants, which is very Beltane. That's very, very that. Very like making babies with gardening. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know. Good way to do mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah, I guess if you guys are interested in, in Wicca, I've put all the books below. Look at the links. Look down there. They're all, they're all there. But uh, Phyllis. Phyllis is, I love her. I can't tell you enough about how much I love Phyllis Curat and all of her books are, if you want to be a, a good little witch, just go read all of her stuff. She's amazing. Yeah, or if you want to deepen your practice or your understanding, or if you're like, you know, like me, where you're like, this just sounds like a lot of how I live my life, which doesn't, uh, you know, again, like you can do a lot of these things and that doesn't totally. mean that you have to identify as a witch or as Wicca, although I've been calling myself a witch for a long time, just more because it's kind of fun and I, I like to, yeah. uh, like I believe that we all have a lot of our own power. And so it's like if calling yourself a witch helps you to tune into that and feel like you really are more connected with it and then you can use some of these foundational principles and ideas as like a guiding um like a guide a guidance tool to connect more deeply with it then do that and we'd love to hear from you guys if you want to share uh if you are wicca or a witch or if you practice some other sort of pagan religion that'd be cool to hear about um you know obviously you can keep it anonymous and uh just share if you feel like sharing and uh, or any like rituals that you guys like to do that you feel like kind of line up with this. I'd be interested in hearing that. Um, always looking to connect totally. and, you know, share things that are valuable to you guys. Or if there are questions that you had as you were like listening to this episode that you feel like we didn't answer or things that you'd like to uh, have, like topics that you'd like to have us cover that, you know, fall within the scope of please suggest what this podcast is yeah yeah we'd love to know love to hear from you this is also yeah it's like with every episode we always say it's like i i i try not to say it because we'll say it every episode is we're just scratching the surface of each of these topics it's like we were laughing about 
alien abduction thing. Like you could spend years of your life on this. Like you could just go in. And people do. <laughs> people freaking do, dude. <laughs> Big time. So just let us know what else you want us to like deep dive. We'll we'll do like if you want us to like fully do the wheel of the year and not just touch on it lightly. If you want us to like talk about elemental magic, if you want to talk about how to find your wand, if you I don't know. I'll do it, you guys. You just let me know what you want. The green man. Like that's a whole thing that we didn't even talk about. But yeah, could do it. Just that know, you is purely know. for me a reference to it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh no! So I have no the idea Green Man is oh, how that like, could old have anything to do stuff. with this. We don't have time to talk about that. <laughs> okay, guys, if you want to hear about the Green Man and it's not about it's always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you comment, know all about it because uh, I know all about it. Yeah. <laughs> Comment on our post for this episode or send us a DM or send us an email at spiritualspectrumpodcast at gmail.com. You got it. Um, and we're on Instagram at, what is it? Spiritual.spectrum.pod. Yeah. You're on it, Taylor. That's our handle at on IG. Yes. Find us on IG. And I'm sure that everything is linked below wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. And share it with a friend. Tell people. If you like our show, tell your friends. Because I bet your friends will uh, like it. I bet they'll be like, look at these weirdos doing this weird stuff how cool because <laughs> that's yeah. how i feel i mean about if us. you're into it then you might have other people in your life that are into it totally. and you know we're just all here for community so yeah get weird with us guys hit us up Woo. and thanks so much for listening catch you next time bye, bye. The Spiritual Spectrum Podcast is created and hosted by Taylor Whitmer, produced by Elena Music. Send us your connections to the show at spiritualspectrumpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to include you in a future episode. Connect with us on Instagram at spiritual.spectrum.pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in two weeks. <laughs>